Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Friday, March the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I am joined once again by Simon Clancy to dive into the 2018 NFL draft class. The combine is underway, and we are going to pick this draft guru's brain about some of his favorite prospects and the potential fits in Miami. But first, as you guys know, I have to remind you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com right now for all the Dolphins' written content needs. And check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's not waste any more time. Once again, go ahead and bring on Simon Clancy here to talk about the 2018 Miami Dolphins draft. That's another Miami Dolphins. And joining the podcast for a second straight day here is my guest from across the pond, former BBC journalist. He has written for Sports Illustrated, the New York Times, and is the lead feature on Gridiron Magazine, Simon Clancy, at Cy Clancy on Twitter. Simon, thanks for coming back on again. No worries, Trap. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So we got a separate show here talking about purely the NFL draft and how it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. And you've been providing gold in terms of draft evaluation <laughs> since I joined the Dolphins forums over a decade ago, my friend. It's been fantastic to read your stuff. I've learned so much from you about scouting players and kind of what goes into it. And I just wanted to kind of ask you, how did you get into the whole scouting aspect and how do you get your hands on this college tape being over there? Um, so the, the same, I don't know if you listen to the other podcast, but when I got into the NFL, it was on a, a TV show on a, on a network here, over here, the same network used to show college highlights, but a week after they'd actually happened. So on the Saturday, the following Saturday night, you get the previous Saturday night's highlights. You kind of get the game of the week and then a bit of highlights and it would be on at like three o'clock in the morning. And because my kind of football juices were already kind of running in terms of the NFL, all of a sudden this kind of great college football thing happened. And, you know, so I kind of would wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go to watch Gordy Lockbaum of Holy Cross and, and, and Steve Taylor of UCLA. And, and that's how it kind of developed. And I became a fan of Florida State um, uh, and, you know, kind of picked a team and sort of followed the, the seminars through the Deion Sanders into Ampley and Charlie Ward and all the way through. And, and that's really how it started. And then... Uh, there was a there's a company in Germany. I don't know if they still exist, but you used to be able to order videotapes. So back in the day, before even DVD existed, um, so each week I would order a, a few videotapes of different games. So one would be the Florida State game from the week before, and they'd usually arrive on the sort of Thursday or the Friday, and I'd spend the weekend kind of you know in my spare time watching three or four games, um, Florida State, then plus sort of the, the three or four other games of the week. There was a German company called Pontel, which essentially used to ship videos out to U.S. servicemen who were based in Europe. So they would, uh, you could, it was like $10 a, a tape. And so, I'd, like I said, get three or four a week and then just started kind of looking at players and was always fascinated by the draft because we just don't have anything like that over here, that kind of system of parity, but also how you take kids from universities and the, the way that they are graded and the way that the whole process works has always been fascinating for me. And, you know, I'm as fascinated now in my 34th year as a football fan as I was back in my first as to how the whole process works and how kids develop and develop at different times. And some kids stop developing and stop becoming players, as it were, you know, as they hit the NFL and different systems and how others, you know, can be coached up and can play up. And so that whole thing has fascinated me and the jumping around and trading and, and, and that sort of thing. And the, the whole kind of jiggery-pokery, as it were, of the, the fascination of, of draft night, I just, you know... It gets me, uh, uh, genuinely, I lay in bed at night thinking about draft scenarios of, you know, what the Dolphins will do and who will which sounds so ridiculous <laughs> for a man of 44, um, but there you go. I still go to bed envisioning week one, Ryan Tannehill throwing touchdown passes to Jarvis Landry, so you're not alone in that yeah. aspect at all. But yeah. I think the NFL, kind of what the NFL has done and the way they open up the access, kind of full access, it's just, it's made the whole process so much more fun. And, you know, the combine, mm. the senior bowl, the senior bowl practices, I love watching those. So yeah. the whole process is fun to me and obviously it's for you too. Let's go ahead and dive into it and talk about the quarterbacks. And, 
you know, we, yeah. you and I are about an hour past Adam Gaze taken to the podium here uh, to talk in Indianapolis about the draft and everything going on with the Miami Dolphins. And he very adamantly mentioned once again, as he has since the day he was hired, that Ryan Tannehill's a starting quarterback. It's not changing anytime soon. But he also opened the caveat that he'd love to draft a quarterback every single year if he could. So who are some of your favorite quarterbacks and which ones make sense for the Miami Dolphins? I mean, if I was to list my top five, Baker Mayfield would be number one, Sam Darnold would be number two, Josh Rosen three, Lamar Jackson four, uh, and Josh Allen would be five. Uh, I, I like Luke Falk. Um, I've been watching a lot of Carla Letter in the last 24 hours, and then even going a bit further down the list, uh, Logan Woodside, the Toledo quarterback, I quite like in terms of, you know, not a strong arm, but intensely accurate. Um, so those are the guys I like. I think, you know, I mean, pick one. I mean, Mayfield, I think we talked about on last the last episode in terms of what he would bring, accurate, a leader, somebody who's got a high completion percentage, who runs a, a fairly complicated offense at Logan, uh, Logan Riley's offense, um, just a winner, just somebody that, you know, you, you feel would galvanize a franchise. Darnold, I don't think anybody could have watched that that Penn State uh, USC um, uh, Rose Bowl from two years ago and sit, saw the way that Darnold moved that team up and down the field and not believed he would be the absolute banker number one pick. Now, he has issues in terms of you know he will put the ball up for grabs and there are issues in his throwing motion which slightly elongates um which is going to be a concern for teams but he is a really really good quarterback rose another one accurate just has everything all the intangibles that you're looking for just a really smooth passer just looks like an nfl quarterback i wonder what lamar jackson and, and adam gaze would look like together you know look, look at the success that gaze had with tim tebow Jackson is a far more accurate, and I'm not saying he's a very accurate, but he is a more accurate quarterback than Tebow. His mechanics are better. I mean, there are still issues with his mechanics, but his movement skills are ridiculous. I mean, he's the, probably the most exciting player, uh, along with Saquon Barkley, coming out of the draft in terms of what he is able to create. Um, Josh Allen, I'm not a particularly big fan of. I, I, you know, the, the arm is incredible. He has a very, very strong arm, as strong as I've seen, but that to me, seems like all he has. I know he showed some touch at the senior bowl at times, but, you know, put him in a game situation, in a proper game situation, and, and will he be able to resist the temptation to zip balls in there? And he's just not accurate enough to do so, you know, consistently. That would be a concern for me. And then, you know, th those tier two quarterbacks, Lauletta, I was talking to Chris Kaufman last night, a good friend of ours. Um, Chris is, you know, w was kind of comparing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Lauletta, and, you know, there are similarities there. And, you know, I could see them on tape today. I, you know, sat down and watched a bit of Richmond tape. And, and Luke Folk's a quarterback I've always liked, a kind of assistant quarterback, but, you know, a rhythm passer, very accurate, very tall. I wonder about the pounding he's taking behind that behind that offensive line <laughs> uh, and whether or not that will affect him moving forwards. But, you know, there are quarterbacks there that I think the Dolphins could work with. And, you know, for me, Mayfield would be the number one guy. And speaking on Luke Falk, I'm, I'm out here in the state of Washington. I'm a big Coug fan too, so I watch Luke yeah. Falk every single Saturday. I don't know what it is about him, but every time he gets sacked, he his head hits the turf. It's like mm. you would think he had, would have 100 concussions by now. It's just absolutely insane, but... He, he's fun to listen to speak. The way he talked about his uh, his unfortunate passing of his teammate, Tyler Holinsky, at the Senior Bowl was yeah. really cool to hear. I just yeah. Really bright young man, really mature young man. He's got confidence, too. He talks about winning Super Bowls and all that stuff, too. So, big fan of his. 125 also. times he's been sacked. I mean, that, that that's way too much. <laughs> and watch college, watch you know? the real, Simon. Go Watch watch the way he tucks the football in, and it's, it's always yeah. head first. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Never seen anything like it before. But you talked about Lamar Jackson a little bit, and I'm a big fan of his as well. I think he really gets undersold. And people want to talk about moving him to wide receiver, which is crazy to me. Let's go ahead and jump into that on the segue here and yeah. talk about wide receivers. You talked a little bit about Anthony Miller, DJ Moore, and Christian Kirk in the last podcast. But do you see – I mean, obviously it all depends on Jarvis Landry's situation here. But do you see the Dolphins going after one of those guys if he does depart? Well, I think potentially because if you know we talked about security blankets and you know that that's that's a bit of a misnomer because it makes it feel feel like Tannehill has to have a security blanket. I think every every quarterback would like a security blanket. You know, somebody like Christian Kirk is going to be a natural replacement for a Jarvis Landry. Somebody like Anthony Miller at Memphis again, similarly, uh, just a really really good receiver. I mean, the number one receiver for me is Calvin Ridley. I saw him live twice last season against LSU and then a night game against Mississippi State. He just runs precise routes. He's got excellent hands. He just looks like an NFL player. He's got an NFL body. I stood and talked to him in the locker room after the Mississippi State game. Head screwed on. Um, just understands route running. Um, I, I, the following day, I was in in Atlanta for the Falcons-Dallas game, and I chatted to Julio Jones in the locker room afterwards, and after we talked about the, the Falcons beating, beating Dallas, we talked about Ridley, and 
and the two of them talk often on the phone and and I think Julio sort of watches Alabama games obviously as an alum but but they talk about what to do at the top of routes footwork coming out of breaks all those sorts of things and I, I think you can see that there is a modicum of NFL coaching that has gone into Calvin Ridley so he's a player that I would certainly have at the top of my list uh, I, I'm intrigued by Cortland Sutton the big the big receiver at, at SMU um, just because of his size and his you know his physicality potentially that's a it's an interesting he's an interesting player to me um, and then uh, you, you know you look a bit further down the you look a bit further down the, the list uh, Alan Lazard at, at Iowa State Auden Tate at Florida State, um, Jamon Moore at Missouri. You know, Mizzou is a is a university that the Dolphins have. You know, that's where Charles Harris came from last year. But you know, Moore six three two oh four, back to back great seasons, a great sort of size speed hands combination, um, fluid route runner. So you know, there are receivers there beyond the top tier, and I think if the Dolphins do get rid of if they do get rid of Landry, and potentially. If they don't see a future for 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 Devontae Parker, I could certainly see them going to that receiver well. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I mean, I wonder if that would signal a Devontae Parker trade before the year. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you just wonder what you're going to get back for him. Yeah. You know, what you're going to get back for a guy who is always injured, who has been inconsistent, who is mentally inconsistent. Um, I mean, I saw something on Instagram the other day. Kenny Stills and he, he were in the locker room. And Kenny was bemoaning the fact that Devontae hadn't sorted out his meal plan for the off-season. And it was like, Devontae, when are you going to get your meal plan? When are you going to get it? And you kind of think, you know, and I know that Ke- I know how well-respected Kenny Stills is in, that, is in that locker room. He is seen as an extra coach in that locker room. But you just think, at what point is it going to click for Devontae? You know, three seasons in now, it's not worked. You would be doing everything you could to try and make that work. And then the next day, there was finally, oh, Devontae's finally got his meal plan. You just think, Dude, sort this out straight away. You know, you you're running out of opportunities to get this right. So I just wonder what sort of market there would be for a Devonte Parker trade in terms of what value you're going to get back. Yeah, that is pretty strange because I'm a I'm a 31 year old staffing recruiter and I, I have a meal plan figured out for myself. So you think that a yeah. professional football player could figure it out? And it Absolutely, reminds, especially it, when you've got guys doing it for you. You yeah. just got to go and pick yeah. it up. Just show up, just be there. It reminds me of that two yeah. bananas thing with Tavon Austin on Hard Knocks a few years ago. If you remember that, the, the two bananas he yeah. only had before yes. before lunchtime. So just yeah. it's crazy to think crazy. of how unprofessional these guys can be. But uh, talking about the skill players, and, and I know this running back class has been lauded as a pretty deep one, and I don't know how you feel about it, but who are some of the guys you like at running back and some guys that you could see pairing up with Kenyon Drake? Because right now I'm looking at my roster here, and I've got Sonoris Perry and Devion Smith on the Dolphins roster. So we obviously yeah. need some help there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great class of running backs. I really do. And um, to me, Saquon Barkley is the best back in the draft. I mean, he's the best player in the draft. He's the best back in the draft. Um, he just, you know, is he as good as Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley? I, I put him in the same bracket. I think he's one of the three best receivers, uh, best runners I've seen since Adrian Peterson came out of Oklahoma. I absolutely love Sony Michelle. I, I just, I just, I just think he's got everything. I think he's, you know, if Barkley wasn't in this draft, you know, I'd be singing Sony Michelle's name from the from the rafters he reminds me very much of ricky williams i've got to say in terms of his style of running he just sees creases he accelerates quickly he he, he works in all three phases of the game uh, i'm a fan of darius guys so i was surprised at his weigh in today he was 224 pounds he's a punishing punishing running back but then you, you know even look down the list uh, you know the, we talked about bo scarborough last week mark walton of miami somebody that cannot you know offer a change of pace royce freeman you know, if Miami are looking for a, a big back, that sort of lightning and thunder that we talked about to pair with Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, again, Kerryon Johnson, a really good running back. And it, you know, shows me a little bit of that Le'Veon Bell, the sort of the, the pausing at the line of scrimmage and the acceleration through the holes really quick, sort of naught to 60, as it were. And then, you know, go down the list. At, you know, Jordan Chan at, at Troy is a, an intriguing guy. Jordan Wilkins of, of Old Miss. These are interesting uh, guys. John Kelly at Tennessee reminds me a little bit of... Um, Reminds me a little bit of uh, John Avery, but kind of a, a much more powerful version of John Avery, the sort of first-round disaster that we, we picked when we could have taken Randy Moss a few years back with Jimmy Johnson. Um, you know, so there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talent out there. It's a really, really good run. Rashad Penny, again, 5'11", 220, and a San Diego State. Isn't going to block, isn't going to pass protect for you. He's not, he's not proficient in that area. But as a running back, he's vastly, vastly underrated. It's just a really good class. Any Ricky Williams comparison is going to get me out of my seat, so I'm definitely excited oh, about that. Sony Michelle, I just I can't eulogize enough. He's a he's a really good player. Yeah, he he looked explosive in those playoff games amongst a bunch of explosive players on defense. Yeah. That's fun to see. 
But I mean, that's, that that was a, essentially a, you know that was a pro game at the right. college level, and he you know he was he dominated that. Yeah, Sorry, I yeah. Phone. Couldn't agree more. It's awesome to see that. And you know, talking about some of the Dolphins' needs here, moving on to the next position here, we talked about it on the last podcast quite a bit. But let's go back and talk about tight ends. And you mentioned some hate, a little bit of Hayden Hurst, you know, Mike Secchi, those type mm. of guys. But I I talked to you about it, Simon. In my opinion, the Dolphins would one of the best moves they can make is finding a guy that can play both in line and detached and make a real difference. Is there a yeah. guy that can do that in 2018 immediately as a rookie? And if so, what pick do we have to use to get that guy? Uh, I think, like I said in the last pod, I think you're going to have to use a second or probably a third round pick. I, I quite like Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas out of Indiana is the guy who's got some real speed. I watched him play. You know, I like to watch guys from slightly lower level schools. Indiana, you know, not a. You know, not a, a top sort of 20 team. I like to see them play against the, the highest level of competition they can go against. So watching Lamar Jackson go against Derwin James is very interesting. So this was Ian Thomas against uh, against Jerome Baker of Ohio State and, and occasionally against Denzel Ward, who will be a first-round pick. Um, and Thomas has real speed coming out of his breaks. He really understands route running um, in terms of being able to, to get to the top of his stem and then really accelerate and, and Baker is a guy that you're going to expect he's going to run a sort of a four five two that kind of area and Thomas was putting two three yards into him in the initial sort of 10 yards off the off the line of scrimmage he lines up in those areas in which the Dolphins tend to use tight ends so he lines up in that slightly withdrawn position that sort of h-back position or uh, you know he will line up in the slot or in that traditional y uh, position that we, we talked about earlier on he's a guy that I think has got some decent upside and can probably can probably do both uh, there's a guy that the Dolphins I think spoke to quite a bit at the Senior Bowl in in, in Adam Brenneman who's a, a, an interesting guy at UMass sort of 6'4", 250 was a high recruit at Penn State blew out his knee as a junior at a high school came back had a big senior season blew out his knee again at Penn State and had a really bad injury and actually gave up the game because the injury was so bad and then came back and just played really really well at UMass um, you know that, that, that history of knee issues is going to be a concern but if those medicals come back okay, you're going to get a big tight end with good hands underneath who can block. He's not a great blocker, but he can block. So you kind of pick your poison, really. You have to work your way through some of these guys and find out look, what's going to fit best for you vis-a-vis what else we have on the roster. Now, the Dolphins don't have a seam-busting pass catcher, but they do have quite a decent blocker in Marquise Gray. So, you know, does Gray step up and become more of that, that, that blocking tight end? And do you just... You know, do you take away some of that that blocking from a rookie, and allow them to to work their way in just as a receiver? Now, obviously, you become more predictable as an offense if you if teams just know that oh look, here comes Mike Jasicki, he's not going to block anybody, so they must be using him in that. That's the kind of quid pro quo that you you're up against. Who's a guy that's going to come in and and perform consistently very quickly? Jasicki is probably that guy. You know, he he runs a lot of routes, he catches a lot of passes, he gets open a lot, he understands how to get open. Obviously. Like I've just said, you become very sort of um, predictable in what you do if he is on the field because he is a below-average blocker. So it's a difficult one. I like Hurst. I like Jasicki for what he brings to the table. I like Mark Andrews, but I worry about his kind of long speed. And, you know, he's put on weight and seemed to have lost a bit of speed. So it depends what they like. But Thomas, for me, is an interesting character. He could be an interesting guy. Ian Thomas, yeah, he was at the Senior Bowl and talking about Mike Kosecki at the Senior Bowl. They were they were showing a highlight reel of him trying to block and basically saying, "Just get in the way, big man. Just get in the way of somebody. That's all you gotta do." So yeah, I mean, an interference blocker isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. We've had a number of those, and you know, listen, I talked earlier on about the guards and uh, and Gates wanting the ball out in sort of two and a half seconds. An interference blocker that can hold somebody out for one and a half seconds is not the worst thing in the world. That's but, all it takes. You know, Jasicki, Jasicki gets beaten everywhere that you could put. You know, he can get blown over, he can get blown past, he can get <laughs> blown through. That's kind of not the guy that you want. But the flip side is that is he going to bust a seam? Will he be open 30, 40 yards down the field? Will he make catches? Will he high point the ball? Will he out jump a safety? Yes, yes, and yes. So you just have to work out which, you know, pick your poison which like, which yeah. do you want to succeed at like you said pick your poison it's, it's like basically Julius Thomas was just when his, in his prime yeah <laughs> with hands exactly so, so we can finally replace that but he is Simon Clancy I am Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins at Cy Clancy on Twitter we got more coming for you guys talking about the offensive line as well as the defense on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast And back here with Simon Clancy on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, talking about the offense still and the offensive line in particular, both in the draft and free agency. It seems to be, it seems every year, Simon, that the, the 
offensive line products get weaker and weaker. Like there's just less guys that are available on the offensive line that can actually come in and perform. And I don't know if you'd attribute that to more the fact that defensive ends are getting to become just total freaks or whatever it is. It seems to be kind of falling back. But we talked about in the last podcast how some of those interior offensive line guys do seem to align with the Dolphins' needs. So is this glut of interior offensive line guys going to result in the Dolphins drafting one, or does it go back to the Adam Gase thing where he doesn't value the guard at all enough to make that pick? It's such a difficult one, and we, we, you know, we we went both ways in the last podcast. It's difficult to say. You know, Gaze will sort of rail against it, but at some point, you've got to, the rubber's got to meet the road somewhere, and you've got to say that look, we've got to do a better job, certainly on the interior. And given that that two of those three interior spots are definitely up for grabs because the centre spot is is question mark, and and left guard is a question mark. So you know, there are players out there that will potentially do that. That there are tackles that the Dolphins like. You know, they've talked about. Um, uh, the guy uh, from Oregon, Terrell Crosby, who they talked about a lot at the Senior Bowl, um, a right tackle who gave up no sacks last season. He's a guy that intrigues them. But you know, there are a lot of really good interior linemen. You start starts starts with Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame, but you work your way down. You, the Will Hernandez is the Isaiah Wins, who was a left tackle at Georgia. You know, a really smart kid, six foot two, so he's not going to play left tackle in the NFL. Uh, really athletic, great technique, great kid, great hands, great feet. He's going to come. He's going to be a day one starter and probably a ten year, ten year player at guard. Will Hernandez, uh, you know, they they love him there. The work ethic, just a guy that loves football, a power player with great balance, great athletic ability. You go down and look at Braden Smith at Auburn again, a powerful guy, a grinder, somebody again who will start ten or twelve years, just get snotty and down and dirty and those kind of. You know, in that interior, in that pit, um, you know, Billy Price is a centre at Ohio State. I'm not as high on. I, I don't think he's as good as Pat Elflein was last year. I think he finds himself on his ass quite a bit, which I don't particularly like. Um, Frank Ragnow of uh, of Arkansas is coming off the injury, but is a player I think has got real, real ability. You could start a centre, could start a left guard for the Dolphins. I think if he's if he's healthy, he's a day one starter for Miami. Um, and then the guys I mentioned last, you know, in the last podcast, Austin Corbett in Nevada will probably be available in that third to fourth round area. Mason Cole, the Michigan center. Uh, Jamil Demby of Maine, a small school guy, but a big guy, six foot six, and I think around 320, 325 pounds. Uh, a guy I quite liked when I saw him up, up close is the Bozeman kid, the center at Alabama. Is he strong enough? Is he big enough? Will Clapp at LSU, another interior guy, about six four, three ten, 310. Um, and then... Uh, we talked about Chris Kaufman earlier on. Chris is a big fan of Brian Allen, the center at Michigan State, who goes 6'1", 300 pounds, underrated guy. And then uh, David Bright, who I mentioned again, uh, Stanford left tackle, athletic, strong, uses his hands really well, turns his hips really well, really understands movement, excellent combo blocker, and then can get out to the second level. He, he's a guy that will be available in those later rounds that you can you know, you know can pick up. And he, you know, he can be one of those sort of Swiss Army knives, could potentially back up at left tackle, could potentially start at guard, could potentially play at right tackle. So, you know, there are players definitely out there, and I think the Dolphins have got to invest. And, you know, if they get rid of Pouncey, then, you know, somebody like a Ragnall, who may be available in the third round because of the injury, because he might not be able to work out fully, is going to be somebody that they, I think they probably look at. And one of the guys that Adam Gaze talked about at his press conference today was was Sam Young at right tackle and obviously Jesse Davis yeah. at right guard. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts because it seems like the prevailing thought has been let's get a bunch of bodies, a bunch of guys that are okay and have them, have them compete for a starting spot. Now, do you think that's a good idea? Is that kind of where the Dolphins are falling in line in terms of the offensive line play? I think it is. But I, what I think is intriguing about Sam Young, and you mentioned his name, is that I thought the Dolphins played pretty well when he was in the lineup last year, especially yeah, down, the, down the stretch. He played well at left tackle when so he was he was in at left tackle uh, when Albert went down when the Dolphins came from behind to beat the Rams in the rain when uh, when Jarvis got pushed over the goal line and then Ryan hit Devontae Parker down in, in the right hand corner of the end zone he played he held up pretty well at left tackle in that game and I, and I thought down the stretch of this season when when Juwan got hurt and we had Jesse Davis at left guard and and Sam Young at, uh, sorry Jesse Davis at right guard and Sam Young at right tackle. I didn't see a massive fall off, and you know, so it, he's not a guy that you want to start, I don't think, but certainly he's Mr. Reliable that can come in and plug in at both tackle positions and, and do a decent job. But you'd like to think that the Dolphins aren't just going to throw a load of names in the air and see what sticks. You'd like to think that there is a plan, there's got to be a plan. Now, what that plan is remains to be seen, but you know, and, and obviously, open competition is great. But there are huge decisions to be made. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Pouncey, a long-term veteran of this team, uh, a leader of this team. You know, like I said, I've been in the locker room a number of times. You see what Pouncey's like. You see how players respond to him. That's a big decision to get rid of a Mike Pouncey. 
Players understand it's a business, they do. But nevertheless, getting rid of a Mike Pouncey, potentially after you've got rid of a Jarvis Landry, these are these are decisions that, you know, players look around and go, Oof, okay, who next? Yeah. You know, yeah. What what next? So the the offensive line remains that huge conundrum that we, you know, we've talked about for a decade or more. So but the players are out there in this draft. They just I think they just have to do a better job of targeting them because I don't think they've done a particularly good job of drafting offensive linemen. Yeah, it's a lot more than just a name and a, and a dollar amount next to a guy. Like you mentioned, it's you know it's yeah. a presence in the locker room, it's a, it's a personality and that type of thing. So it's really interesting to see what they do with Mike Pouncey because we know that Adam Gaze loves him and has said so many, many times. But let's go ahead and flip it over to the defense here, Simon, and talk about that side of the football. And let's start on the defensive line again. And I know one of Chris guys, Chris's guys, Chris Kaufman, is Marcus Davenport and the potential Ooh. of the player that he could become. So is he a guy you like? Is he in discussion for pick number 11? And how high of a priority is defensive line for the Dolphins in this draft? Uh, so I think backwards to forwards, I think it's a fairly high priority in terms of we talked about getting more pressure on the quarterback. Um, but I wonder whether that comes in the early rounds, as it did with Charles Harris last year, or whether it comes a bit later on with uh, Josh Schwett or somebody like that. I, I am not as high on Davenport as uh, as Chris is. I, I I think he's probably in the conversation. And you look at you look around at what some of the those guys that are plugged in, the Albert Breers and people like that from the MMQB talk about the fact that Davenport is a top fifteen player. That's not necessarily what I see. You know, he is. You know, he's a big, long guy. He's you know he's quick. Um, he's he can clearly collapse a pocket. He can get around the end. He can you know he's got decent hands. I just wonder whether or not. You know, he, he looks a little bit tight-hipped to me. I mean, he struggled mightily in the opening day and a half of the Senior Bowl. I know he got much better, and I think he dominated the game, and I thought he played really well. I wonder how quick he is. I wonder why he allows blockers into his frame quite as much as he does sometimes. That that does show up on tape, and at a lower level, that would concern me moving forwards in terms of just thinking, you know, if you're going to allow a lower level tackle to get his hands inside you what you know what's going to happen when you play against you know uh, whoever Trent Williams or uh, you know one of those sorts of players that that's a concern with me I, I I don't know I I you know if you're looking for a pure pass rusher I think Harold Landry certainly playing from left defensive end in terms of that get off you know he has elite get off and ability to get after the quarterback that for me is a sort of player a little bit like an Alden Smith that you kind of bring in you know, he's probably not going to start because he's a he's a bit of a vulnerability against the run. But in terms of, you know, let's say that they start Andre Branch at right end and Charles Harris at left end, and, and Wake comes in on obvious passing downs. They rush Harris from the inside as they did quite a lot last year, and you you know you rush Landry. I, I don't know. They're, those are some of the scenarios that they're probably going to think about. I, I'm just not entirely sold on on, on Davenport. You know, a stand up rusher. I don't know. Hand in the ground. That that's going to concern me a little bit. Moving forwards, is he a is he a consistent menace kind of guy, or is he a guy that you know is a for want of a better word, a kind of flash player? That that I think that's what worries me a little bit. In the last couple of years, it seems like the Dolphins have kind of had a hard time finding. The player that they, I, I assume they signed Jason Jones to be a guy that can line up on the outside and run packages or, or run plays yeah. and then kind of kick inside on the pass rushing plays on nickel packages. And they've done this last year, at least, where they have, you know, they'll put Indomitian Sue and Jordan Phillips on the outside and kick Cameron yeah. Wake and Andre Branch on the inside. So with that versatility in mind, do you think that there's a player in the mid rounds, maybe a type of defensive end, like a maybe a Jalen Holmes or a Chad Thomas that could come in and provide that role? Yeah, I mean, if you don't, I mean, Sam Hubbard's a guy I'm, I'm intrigued by. I think he's a he's a player that you know you look at, especially with the way that we play Andre Branch. I, Sam Hubbard, I think, appeals to me as that. You know, I wonder whether or not he'll go higher than than what we what we probably want to invest in. If you see what I mean, um, you know, Hubbard is a guy that people say he was a bit stiff and he's a bit that and he's a bit this. And I, I'm a fan. I like what he's able to do. I mentioned Josh Schwert. I mean, he's a bit lighter, but he's somebody that, you know, I think can, can certainly do a job. Um, let me have a look. Who else have I got on my list here in terms of players that I think we target? I mean, you know, I don't think they're going to go to the Arden Keywell after what happened with Dion Jordan. But, you know, he's a guy that's 265 pounds. You know, that's the kind of the... You know that that is a player that will come into some consideration, but I, I just don't think that they will go there. I really don't because of you know the off-field issues that have been such a concern. Marcel Frazier at Missouri is a player that I think is in the sort of two hundred and sixty pound area that I think is intriguing. Duke Ejiofor as well. 
the Wake Forest guy. There's a couple of guys at Wake that I really like. The, the free safety Jesse Bates is, is the other. I think those are the sorts of players that potentially they could look at Taekwon Lewis at, at Ohio State. So the guys are definitely there. I mean, I'm not... Even Andrew Brown at Virginia may be a bit heavy at 280, but you know there are there are certainly guys that I think that could do that sort of job. I just I just wonder whether or not how highly they're going to play, given what they did with Harris last year, how high they're going to place you know defensive end on their list of priorities, given the fact that they've invested so highly in it twelve months ago, and the fact that Cam Wake doesn't really seem like he's going to slow down. Plus the investment in Andre Branch, another guy that you can't cut because of the guaranteed money. And a position that seems a little bit more volatile in terms of having guys that could be coming into the roster is the linebacker spot. And of all the mock drafts I see, it's either quarterbacker, quarterback or linebacker at pick number 11. So there are three guys I think you can entertain at that 11 pick. Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, and Rashawn Evans. Who is your favorite and who is Miami keen on in that spot? Oh, it's, oh, it's pick, your, pick your happy poison here. <laughs> I mean, I, I like all three of them for, for, for different reasons. You know, you look at, I mean, first of all, who wouldn't want a linebacker core of Roquan and, Roquan and Raycon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, that just, that doesn't run off the time. But, you know, that's, uh, I mean, Roquan Smith is, a, I, I just think, a phenomenal player. The Dolphins have had issues year on year on year with missed tackles. We miss a lot of tackles. Raycon didn't miss, a, I mean, Roquan didn't miss, look, I'm at it already. Roquan didn't miss a tackle, not one single tackle last season. And there are so many plays that he makes that don't show up on the stat sheet in terms of his ability to get sideline to sideline and cut off the perimeter and force players back inside. You know, he's he's got phenomenal instincts. He is fast. He can cover. He's going to be a three-down guy. He's undersized in terms of the fact that he's probably about 230, but he's big in the trunk. He's got a big... Scouts would call him, say he has a big bubble. He's got a big arse, essentially. He's a big-bottomed human being. But, I mean, I just think he's a phenomenal football player. And, you know, on a really good Georgia's... Georgia team, he stood up and was better than all of those players on that defense. Now, is he a projection to fit into the Dolphins' defense? You know, I I suppose you've got to figure out whether or not if he can play a slightly more aggressive style of run fit than he does now, that would be a concern, uh, and I suppose that would make you a little bit nervous. And that that ultimately comes down to the scheme that Matt Berg wants to run and what what Adam Gaze wants to do. Um, you know, in terms of what Miami wants from a run defense, is he a natural fit? I don't know. You know, they, they are going to want their players, their linebackers, to attack. They are going to want them to play off what the linemen do in, in the blocking scheme and, and beat their blockers to the spot. Now, Roquan can do that because he has that, that elite-level speed. I suppose Burke would probably regard a lot of the stuff that Smith does now as maybe waiting around to catch blocks. And I think that's a little unfair, but I think that might be how he sees it. Now, he is aggressive, and like I said, he's incredibly fast and incredibly explosive because it helps. But I suppose there is a little bit of a projection there in terms of, in terms of him doing it. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is a, a terrific player who would help Miami immediately. Because essentially, if you're going to move to more of those nickel and dime formations, you would have Roquan and Raycon on the field an awful lot. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is a guy I, I've been all over for a while. I think he's a phenomenal football player. Obviously, tied in with the Dolphins in terms of his father was Farrell Edmonds, the the Dolphins' tight end of the of the Marino era. Long, I mean, he's got octopus like arms. This kid, <laughs> you know, you look at the you look at the film, and he started off last season and he was slow in terms of his diagnosis. You know, he is a big human being. You you rarely see players of this athletic physical build. I mean, he is six foot five. He's about 240 pounds, 245 pounds. He's a big kid. When he, you know, he takes a couple of steps to get up to speed, but when he gets up there, he's going to run, I think, in the four fives area. I don't think his 10 yard split will be particularly big, but he certainly comes on that, that, you know, last 20, 30 yards. He's a guy that can get sideline to sideline. You watch the game against Miami. Here is a guy that continually shuts off the edge and forces players back inside. He's good in coverage. He can, you know, he's, he covers tight ends down the field. I've also seen him line up against receivers in the slot and make plays on the ball. You know, drive, click and close and drive on the ball. You just don't see that with athletes like him. And he can rush the passer as well. You know, those long arms can hook around um, hook around uh, tackles and he can get to the quarterback. So he is a huge projection in terms of the fact that he's 19, but he's a totally different player at the back end of the season than he was against Clemson and early on in the year. And that that... You know, in terms of projecting him into the NFL, he is a he is a a phenomenal talent. He may not be 
he may not be somebody that you see and you begin to pay dividends from in those first season and a half because I think he's going to, you know, to some extent be learning on the job. But he is a very intriguing player. He's, you know, he's an edge rusher playing a, a linebacker position, but his physical tools are, you know, absolutely outstanding. And you know, the speed, the acceleration, the change of direction for a for a much smaller linebacker. Um, you know, and handles those run fits. We talked about Roquan. I think Tremaine handles those run fits better than 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 Roquan probably does. But I just wonder whether or not, you know, the Dolphins think we need an immediate, you know, we need an immediate impact guy. Uh, and that could be Roquan Smith over a Tremaine Edwards, who might be a, a projection for a team that sort of, you know, I, I think Tremaine Edwards would look better as a, a as an off-ball, strong side linebacker in a Green Bay Packers 4-3 than perhaps he would do in a, in a Dolphins. In, in terms of Miami, a team scrabbling, trying to find an immediate impact guy, whereas Green Bay probably... You know, back to the playoffs again next year with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. It's that kind of thing. They can allow a guy to to bed in a, a little bit quicker than than our front office probably can because they're probably playing for their jobs a little bit more than 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 they are in in Green Bay. So you know, he's a he's a terrific player with great upside. Whether or not he's a phenomenal day one contributor remains to be seen. But uh, you know, I know certainly people like Daniel Jeremiah think he can be a you know an all pro and and he certainly has the the tools to be so. And then Rashad Evans. Again, you know, he's kind of had the finest time behind Ruben Foster. Is he an inside linebacker at 232? Is he a weak side linebacker? Again, was on the sidelines a couple of times last season and watched him. He's a leader. He's a big hitter. He understands exactly where he has to go. He's got great instincts. And he's a phenomenal rusher off the, you know, he's a great blitzer and a great rusher off the edge. You know, you, you could use him. You know, we talk about what happens in, in nickel and dime situations. You can keep him on the field. And get him to rush the passer in terms of mixing up personnel. You don't, you know, again, allows you to disguise personnel with, with regards to what you do. I think all three of them are, are terrific players, uh, you know, and I think they would all, to a greater or lesser extent, fit well with what we do, perhaps with a little bit of tinkering for all three, but I'm a big fan of all three of them. I'm glad you mentioned Daniel Jeremiah because I have that written down here for my segue on talking about Rashawn Evans because he's my favorite one of the three. I know I like them all, mm. like you said, but I love Rashawn Evans for a couple of reasons. He's so violent, and the way he beats blocks is really impressive. Daniel Jeremiah on the Move the Sticks podcast said he might not get to the ball carrier, but he's going to cause a 10-car pileup on his way to the ball carrier. So no, absolutely. I, I just love that mentality that he plays with chasing the ball carrier and just want to... He's, he's, he's great with contact. He sheds blockers really, really well. He's got excellent hands, and for a guy his size, he's quick, he's sudden... He's decent in coverage, you know, and I, I think, you know, he's asked to do a lot more in that Alabama defense than perhaps Roquan is in Georgia's defense. And, you know, like I said, he's great on the edge and he can do a lot of the sort of line of scrimmage stuff that, that, that they do, I think, a little bit with Lawrence Timmons. I, I'm just, a, I'm a big fan. He's not, a, he's not a secure tackler. I don't think he's the other two. He's not a great rap tackler. Sometimes you'll get infuriated that he'll miss a tackle, but generally, I, you know, I'm a big fan. I think he's a terrific player. And that stat about Roquan Smith not missing a tackle is just absolutely, that's oh, crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. So we got one more thing to talk about here, Simon, on the other side of the podcast. A couple of guys that I love, and I, I stayed it for the last for a reason. And we'll talk about her, talk about that here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. He is Simon Clancy at Cy Clancy. And we're back here talking about the Dolphins' defense in regards to the NFL draft coming up in April. And there are two players, Simon, you've alluded to already on the podcast, on both podcasts, and two guys that I just could not be more enamored with. I'm talking, of course, about Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, there's also some non-first-round guys the Dolphins have expressed some interest in by way of those meetings that they have at the Senior Bowl or wherever it is. You know, Trayvon Henderson, Kaiser White, Damon Webb. Do you see the Dolphins going in that direction with a defensive back going for more dime looks like we talked about earlier? Is it going to be Derwin James? Is, does Mika Fitzpatrick have a chance to land there? Just talk about safeties in this class for me. Um, I don't, I'd love to think Minka is there at 11. I don't think he will be. I think if he was, I think you absolutely run up to the the podium is, you know, you do the greatest forty of your life to get up there. Because, like I said in the in the last in the last podcast, this is a guy that can literally play, you know, all six spots for you. He can he can line up as a as your number one corner opposite Xavier Howard. Um, you know, if you if you go with Tank and X, then he's a great complement to Rashad and TJ in terms of the fact that you can run nickel, you can run big nickel, you can run forty three personnel from the from the same personnel essentially. Uh, you know, you can line him up as he becomes Chris Harris. He plays in the slot. Um, you know, he could play as that extra linebacker in there. Dime essentially is you're just switching out Bobby McCain or switching in Bobby McCain for a, for a linebacker. It allows you to disguise coverages so well, which is, as we discussed, we're so bland at, we don't do particularly well. He is an elite 
level player. Uh, you know, managed to grab a couple of words with him in in the locker room uh, after the LSU game, and uh, with uh, uh, pitched a question to Saban in the press conference about him. And you know, they rave about him, at Alabama. Understandably so. You know, he's not D Milner. He is a significantly better player. He's a kind of a Swiss Army knife who will. I, I just think he fits what we do and what we need as a team so well. I think if there's one player that you could say would help the Dolphins immediately, I think that would be him. He's just such a great complement, you know, because you're hitting all your personnel requirements pretty well out of the same personnel, which, you know, it, it is kind of manna from heaven for a team that's really struggled in that area. And, you know, with his speed, it just allows you to do a whole lot of stuff that we can do in terms of disguising coverages, and it just brings a, a different level of playmaker to this defense. Derwin, I think, is similar. I don't. I think he's probably a better box player than Minker is, and I think he's probably not as good a corner. In fact, he probably wouldn't want to play him at corner. Um, in terms of his run fits, I worry a little bit about that because he's not a massive hitter. I mean, he's ridiculously athletic. He's going to blow up the combine, and I think certainly he's going to help this 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 defense if they were to draft him. And I, again, I wouldn't sprint up to the, the podium, but I'd, I'd be very happy with a Derwin James because I just think he can do so much, and especially in terms of moving to free safety potentially, um, because I think he has the athletic ability to do it. If Rash, you know, if and when Rashad's either his contract becomes too much or he begins to slow down, and the you know the pace of the way he plays gets too much, um, I think you could probably play him as a single high safety. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I just think he's a really, really good athletic player, and I know from talking to people at Florida State that he is an absolute alpha. You know, when you know when Derwin talks, everybody shuts up. He is a tape maven. He is somebody that studies hard his books, but he's also somebody who studies film hard. Um, so he's going to be the sort of guy that you, you know you build a defense around, and it will allow Matt Burke to do a number of things with him. Um, you know, I talked to Doc Staples, who's a very well-respected guy over at Florida State, and, and Doc says, you know, he can't remember a more athletic player than Derwin in terms of what he's able to do. And he struggled last year a little bit coming off the, the ACL tear, and I think it took him a while to get back. But, you know, that freshman tape, I mean, he's, he's, a, sensational, he's a sensational player. Um, uh, you know, I, I think he's probably a notch down from Minka Fitzpatrick in terms of what the Dolphins would like, um, but he's really good. Uh, one guy you talked about, the, you know, the sort of the second level safeties and things. One guy I really like, MJ Stewart of North Carolina, who's probably a second round pick. This is a guy who dominated days one and two at the senior bowl, was probably the best player out there. You know, he is a Micah Hyde. I was talking to Fran Duffy, the Philadelphia Eagles guy, and Fran was saying similar to me in that he reminds us both of Micah Hyde in terms of, you know, how Hyde was with Green Bay, a sort of that Swiss Army knife. You can play safety, you can play nickel corner, you can put him out on the boundary and, and, and not be a problem. He played. Yeah, the senior bowl practices, he, he domin absolutely dominated the one-on-ones. He can play as a box, he's a big hitter, play as a box linebacker. So if you miss out on those two guys, I think there are options for the Dolphins. I, I just think he's the sort of player that Miami is really going to like in that second round area. Um, the kid from North Carolina, I, I'm a big, big fan of MJ Stewart. So I, I think you get a lot of value from him and perhaps there's not that massive drop-off. Yes, there's an athletic drop-off from, from the two front guys, but you know, 30 picks later, 32 picks later, if you can find yourself an MJ Stewart after having taken a whoever, you know, a, a pick 11. Let's just say you end up with Baker Mayfield and then you come back and take an MJ Stewart. I think, you know, that, that that's a decent way to get out of the, the first two rounds. He's a guy I really like. But, you know, I just think for Miami, just to do better things with personnel, better things at disguising coverages and just be speedier. I think those are three huge things to be able for, for that defense to be able to do. And if you can get a Minka, you can get a Derwin James. That just opens up so many possibilities in terms of what you are able to do. And it's just something we just don't have the ability to do. Simon, I got to say, I don't think we've packed more information in 90 minutes of a podcast <laughs> in the show's history. And I really, really appreciate you coming on for me here and talking about it. Before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on one more thing. Just talk about some of the players at the Combine that you want to see work out this week. Some guys that you think could take big jumps up the board. And uh, just kind of talk about the workout warriors. Okay. I mean, there's, you know, in terms of the guys I'm looking forward to seeing and some of the, you know, just throw some names of guys. I've probably I've thrown quite a few in, in terms of guys I like. Oh, I want to see Laletta throw. He did really well at the season. It was really impressive. Luke Folk again, who we talked about, we just want to see him throw. I don't need to see, I don't need to see, you know, Baker throw. I don't need to see Josh Rosen throw. I, I, I really don't. I'm disappointed that Sam Darnold isn't throwing. Um, you know, the running backs, how fast does Sony run? What does Saquon do? The, you know, they're the interesting things to me. I mean, just elite level players. But, you know, a guy like John Kelly at Tennessee, 
you know, how does he how does he perform? Somebody that you, you know you think can be a, you know, he's a Alvin Kamara clone a little bit. I mean, he's not quite the receiver that 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 Kamara is at all. But you know, somebody like that, how do they perform? Jordan Wilkins of Ole Miss, another running back I like. How fast is Christian Kirk? You know, that's a question I want to see in terms of downfield. He looks pretty fast on tape. DJ Chark is an LSU receiver, a deep threat receiver. Very intrigued to see how he runs, uh, as well as Florida State's Auden Tate. I want to see how fast he runs because at times he looks like he's pulling a tractor or he's a tractor pulling a trailer. Um, the unpronounceable receiver, Equinemius St. Brown of, <laughs> of Notre Dame, with the, with the best name in the draft. Yes. I mean, just a massive physical talent who probably plays down to his physical ability. Uh, he was dominated by, by MJ Stewart, who gave him fits um, physically. But, you know, how, what sort of speed guy is he? What, what, you know, what can he do? How is he going to look in, when he's running the gauntlet? Those sorts of things. Jalen Samuels, NC State, sort of Swiss Army knife, sort of tight end, H-back, full-back, running back. You know, what's, you know, what can he do? What does he look like? Quentin Flowers, another one, the, the USF quarterback, who's probably not going to be a quarterback, but could be an incredibly dangerous sort of third running back, special team, a return guy, jack-of-all-trades kind of thing. What, how does he perform? Um, in terms of offensive linemen, I, I want to see Quentin Nelson. How fast is he over 10 yards? You know, I don't, I don't care about his 40 time, but, you know, this, he's a big human being who's, you know, that getting out to the second level for Nelson is is one of the intriguing things that, you know, if he's a dolphin in terms of some of those zone schemes, what's he going to be asked to do? You know, getting to that second level, how quick is he? Win, just the athlete. Is he the athlete that he looks on tape? Isaiah win. James Daniels of Iowa, Mason Cole of Michigan, those two centres that we talked about a little bit, I'm quite interested in. One of the underrated left tackles for me is Jamarco Jones of Ohio State. He'd probably be in my top five. He'd probably actually be in my top three um, in terms of in terms of left tackles. I'm interested to see how athletic he is as a big guy. Uh, the Western Michigan guy, Chukwuma, uh, uh, I can't even say it, Okorafor, <laughs> uh, another athletic left tackle. Um, and I talked about the Brights and the Claps and the, the Austin Corbett's. Defensively, Deron Payne, you know, a guy that people I respect, Chris Kaufman and whatever, remind them of it, and Damakin Sue, which is praise indeed. I mean, he is a he is a massive disruptor. Sam Hubbard, again, looks a bit stiff on tape, so how does he look when, in the drills? Does he do any linebacker drills? And if so, how does he move? How flexible are his hips? Those sorts of things. One of the underrated guys who did well at the senior bowl of the Fort Hayes State defensive tackle, Nathan Shepard, Nate Shepard. You know, can he back up that decent performance in Mobile? Um, Okoronkwo Ogbonia, um, the Oklahoma defensive end sort of pass rusher, a little bit like Hassan Reddick of Temple last year. He's undersized, but he's incredibly quick off the edge. Where's he going to play? When does he come out of the combine with a, with a defined position? If so, where is it going to be? Josh Sweat again. Hercules Mateafa of Washington, another intriguing player who can rush from, you know, and collapse a pocket inside internally as a defensive tackle. Vita Vea, you know, the talk about um, Dontari Poe's incredible combine performance of a, a few years ago. Vita Vea is working with the same guy who trained Dontari Poe. Can Vea, who is a, just a ridiculous athlete and a potential for the Dolphins at 11, what, you know, what sort of performance can, can the big man turn in? Some linebackers I'm intrigued by, you know, and not just at the, the combine, but moving forwards generally. Fred Warner of BYU, a, a cover linebacker. Josie Jewell of of Iowa, maybe a two-down linebacker, but very, very instinctive tackle maker. Jack Sishi of, of Wisconsin coming off the knee injury, but again, a tackler, a blitzer, a guy that can get into the backfield and cause some disruption. A couple of guys at Washington, Keyshawn Biera. He wore number seven, Akeem Victor, who was suspended down the back end of the year. Two really good Washington linebackers who I'm keen on. And then just the, the you know, we kind of didn't really talk about it, but the cornerback class this year is one of the, the best I can think of over the past 10, 12 years. You know, you look at you look at the, the Davis kid at Auburn, the, the, the Isaiah Oliver at Colorado, Mike Hughes, the big hitter at USF, my, probably my number one corner, along with uh, the Jackson kid at Iowa talked about MJ Stewart what about Holton Hill the, the Texas corner he's probably first or second round corner based on pure talent but so many off-field issues how does he come through the interview process there's a big corner at Dubuque Michael Joseph he's about six foot six smooth smooth corner but obviously playing at a lower level looks man against boys when you see him on tape but you know how is he going to match up in terms of you know when he's uh you know when he gets to the NFL but also how does he get how is he going to look at the combine how is he going to move is that going to move him up a little bit Touched on him earlier on Jesse Bates, the safety from Wake. Looks like a cornerback, plays like a 
uh, sort of Ed Reed type free safety in terms of his ability to get sideline to sideline and, and pick the ball off. Ronnie Harrison, totally underrated safety at Alabama. You know, nobody talks about him because everybody's talking about Minka and Derwin. Ronnie Harrison, just a model of consistency in that Alabama defense. Siran Neal, Marcus Allen, that, that, the defensive back class is just out of this world. So those are the sort of players I'm looking at. And, and essentially the combine, I'm not looking to confirm it. I, I'm, I'm not looking to change anything. I'm looking to confirm things. I'm looking to confirm all the things that I've seen on film. And if there are if there are anomalies, then you go back and think, what's that anomaly because of? Is that just something I'm not seeing on the tape? Or is that something that, you know, this kid now in this situation is going to do X, Y, or is he just a workout warrior? So those are the things you've got to got to be fearful for and you, you can't really start moving guys up two rounds just because they run faster than the 40 because that's you know that just belies everything you've kind of you've done through the process as i'm sure you well know it's a, you know it, it's a time for confirmation rather than for for, for big jumps i think but it's uh it's the it's the best time of the year so we shall see how it plays out well hey as long as al davis is gone that's that'll be the case <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> Well, he, <laughs> he is Simon Clancy. You can follow him on Twitter at Cy Clancy. You can find his work in Gridiron Magazine. Simon, I want to do a three-man draft, draft podcast the week of with you, Chris, and Alfredo. Think we can make that happen? I think we can definitely make that happen. That would be fantastic. We'll do a three-man panel. I'm going to shut the hell up and let you guys just go on that podcast, <laughs> and we'll do it from there. Thank you so much again, my friend, for coming on the show. Pleasure, Trav. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine, good sir. Wow, that was one hell of a podcast. I don't know how we're going to top that one anytime in the near future, but we will try again next time. That's going to do it for today's podcast for both the podcasts with Simon Clancy. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Dolphins podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review, and check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Winkfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins, and of course, check out the Locked On NFL Twitter and Facebook page. Lastly, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back on Sunday night with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.